Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to say that we launched our new and improved newsletter. Every other week, we send you a short email jam-packed with actionable advice from the lives of our founders alongside other exclusive content. Basically, it's your toolkit to become a better leader. If you'd like to get in on the ground floor, visit findingfounders.co slash subscribe or check the link in the show notes. All right, let's get into it. About 12 years ago, we felt that, you know, U.S. have been in Afghanistan at the time, and we thought it's a good opportunity, and we started our work there. Unfortunately, the result was not as good as other countries. For example, uh, we, we sponsored some, some young ladies. By the time they went to high school, their parents did not let them continue education. Because of the cultural issues uh, or, or, or practices that they have, which the Taliban is uh, following, they never promoted girls in Afghanistan to have jobs or to go to school or to have secondary education. Education is a right. It's not a privilege. It starts with just taking that leap. Man, you have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart. Choose something that even if it fails, even if it fails you are going to be proud of. It doesn't matter how badly you've gone beaten Be kind, be kind, be kind. Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. Go for that. <laughs> I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders. Uh, my full name is Navid, first name, Said Ali, last name. And I'm an aeronautical engineer, have my own uh, consulting company that I work with uh, FAA and airlines. And how did you get involved from, from being an engineer to supporting the Child Foundation and being involved in like humanitarian organizations? Uh, about 26 years ago, a friend of mine who we, we both of us went to the same university, University of Washington, uh, he was interested in supporting children. And he asked me if I'm willing to join him. At the time, I was in Indonesia working. And I told him, yes, I would support him to, uh, as a volunteer. And I will introduce him uh, children in need to hopefully to find sponsors for them to, to be educated. Why were you interested in doing that? Like, you know, this guy calls you out of the blue and says, hey, I need your help. And you're like, why did you say yes? Well, for one thing, you know, all of us have this uh, calling to help. It is in our nature. If somebody asks you for help in doing anything, you would run, basically. And, and that's not me. That's everybody. If you ask people to help you, they will, they will get involved. The whole thing started with my friend, as I mentioned to you, and his relatives were in principal of high school back in, in, in Iran. And, and they found out there are some children are uh, quitting school because of financial reasons or maybe because one of their parents passed away. But these children are actually pretty talented and would like to stay in school. 
and they end up uh, being uh, going uh, to work and perform child labor. So the main idea w- was uh, came to us that if there are children that would want to go to school, and specifically, of course, if they're talented, and and they, that education shouldn't be denied. This formed the mission of our organization. So we were looking for this sort of children in different countries, and you'd be surprised there are just so many of them. There was another young lady that we were sponsoring to go to university, and she got a scholarship after we finished up his her uh, bachelor's degree. And she went to Australia and became uh, and had a PhD in chemistry. Wow! And a few years later, her mother sent me a picture that she was elected by some Canadian board to, and uh, she received a huge award for some of the work she did. And I was so proud of it, I started crying because she couldn't even afford to go to school like 10, 15 years ago. So, so, so we have uh, stories of success one after another, and uh, it's been amazing, you know. It just, just, just makes me cry all the time when I hear these uh, success stories. And it's lasting impact. Like, you plant this seed when they're five or six years old, and... You see it grow and like here they are accomplishing amazing, amazing things. So you're seeing this program work in Iran and Indonesia. You're helping those children. Where do you decide to take those programs next? So, so about, two, two, about 12 years ago, we, we, we felt that, you know, uh, U.S. have been in Af- Afghanistan at the time, and uh, we thought it's a good opportunity. Uh, they speak the same language as Iranian, and we started our work there, and we started to take them up one by one. And this was uh, back in, I believe, about 2009, 2010, something like that. Unfortunately, the result was not as good as other countries. For example, uh, we we sponsored some some young ladies, some girls uh, at early ages, but by the time they went to high school, their parents did not let them continue education. And we, uh, because of the cultural, mostly cultural. Um, issues uh, or, or, or practices that they have, which, they, which, which even today, as you notice, Taliban is uh, following, that they never promoted girls in Afghanistan to have jobs or to go to school or to have secondary education. I would have to say that, you know, the, the culture there would prevent girls. I, if you ask me why, I, I don't know, because this is not Islamic culture. You know, you see in Qatar, you see in Indonesia, you see in Malaysia. You know, I was in Malaysia. My my boss was a lady and, and she was religious. So so the issue is not a religious issue. It's more of a cultural issue or maybe a radical view of the religion. You know, whichever one you want to take. That had limited girls' education in Afghanistan. And today, if you follow the news, today part of our uh, Western uh, culture is to, to, 
to ask the new government in Afghanistan to respect the, the rights of uh, ladies, to respect the, the basic human rights. Education is a right. It's not a privilege. And so over your, your development or your, like your time in Afghanistan, because you've, you've been there for over a decade with the Child Foundation, have you noticed that, um, you know, but before everything that's happened recently, have you noticed, a, did you notice a cultural shift in how Afghanistan and Afghans were treating women who pursued education? Uh, most definitely. Most definitely. And the cultural shift that I saw or I can explain is basically through a long in, in meetings with elders in different uh, rural societies. Uh, and because these elders have kept the tradition of ladies have to stay home, cook and bring up children. And that's about it. But then the educators, different educators from different organizations, including our organization, have gone into the houses of the elders, have made uh, meetings with the elders and have said, okay, you know, uh, this is the advantage of education for, for, for young ladies. If, if the mothers are educated, they can bring up more uh, a better uh, children. For example, one of the ladies said, you know, if I knew all the new technologies to take care of my children, I may be able to, uh, uh, you know, address to their diarrhea, for example, address to their cold, you know, add, uh, I, I may be more educated in handling my own child if I am I'm more educated. And there's been cases that you know, people just die because of diarrhea, because they just don't know how to deal with it. They die because of some very simple infection, because they don't know that there's antibiotic or or they do know, but they don't feel comfortable to go to the doctor. And the mother doesn't, for example, sometimes doesn't speak to the husband. And education of mother brings this uh, awareness in the family and uh, some of the mothers actually started to defend, defend the position. And to the surprise of the uh, elders, you know, elders listened to them and they start arguing between themselves. And, and it was uh, the report that I received. It was so impressive that some of the ladies brought up the courage to discuss what they would do if they knew more. You have this incredible progress. And then August 2021 rolls around. What happened and, and how did that change how the Child Foundation was operating in Afghanistan? Yeah, that was a disaster for us, in fact. And we are still dealing with it because, as you know, it hasn't been that long. And um, most of our staff, I would say, all, not the local volunteers, but all of our management uh, fled because uh, they, they were scared. They were dealing with an American company and they were scared of their safety. And we were involved in Afghanistan. More than 50% of our sponsored children were, were young ladies, uh, girls. And, and unfortunately, we didn't quite stop, but we didn't have, since August, 
we haven't had an operative uh, organization there. We've done uh, on, on site, but we've done it. Uh, we've done it uh, remotely. Some of the for some of our managers, they fled to Iran. They fled to some other cities. They're in hiding, but they are working with. Still, we are providing with some difficulties the monthly stipend to some volunteers that are helping us. So it's been very challenging, and that's one challenge. The other challenge is that before the government of Afghanistan was a friendly government to us, and we were able to put, put, you know, pay uh, our 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 way through. But right now, as of today, the Taliban is on the list of terrorist organization. Now we have to go to our own U.S. government, get permission to send money over there. So we have this administrative legal issue here to provide funding. The fact that everyone's in hiding after all this great work that you've done, I mean, it's uh, it's terrible. So where do you see things moving forward? Like how can people who are hearing about this help um, and where, what do you see the future of the Child Foundation in Afghanistan looking like? Well, uh, there are several. Uh, it's positive. First of all, when you work in humanitarian organizations, Sam, you have to realize that the reason you're there. The reason we are there is because of some catastrophic failure of either local governments or some other issue. So we don't expect that to be our operation to be a a very easy and smooth operation ever. And it hasn't been in any country. It's not. But the future is good because we've been talking to to some aid workers that are still there. They are in talk with Taliban to convince them, at least locally in the areas that we work, that our work has not been political. Uh, or military-oriented, our work is educational, and and there's some progress have been made. And uh, uh, financially, we are uh, working through our lawyers here to talk to Treasury Department to see if we can continue sending funds there. So we have a huge program there, and uh, it will survive and we'll go on. We are very positive and we'll take it day by day. Where can people support the Child Foundation? Where can they go to learn more? Well, they could go to uh, our website, childfoundation.org. We have a number of programs and specifically we need uh, support and funding for Afghanistan. And the way people can support is by their donation. That that we would appreciate that again is childfoundation.org and it's been my pleasure to talk with you Sam and your team has been a great team that I've spoken to this last few days <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much for listening if you haven't already make sure to subscribe rate the podcast five stars and share with a friend If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner. Our chief of staff and operations is Jessica Lin. Our audio editing team lead is Adrian Tapia. Support from Irene Van Berkel, Matt Fernandez, Renee Buchanan, Sophia Donner, Maura Lynch, Zoe Maddox, Ashley Jimenez, Michael Chung. 
Nicholas Guzman, Aaron Devereaux, Sanessa Gisley, and Lois Choi. Our outreach and research lead is Kenny Ong, with support from Sarah Hobson, Melody Sopani, Cherise Tan, Jake Wiley, Ibada Thrive, and Mecca Shelton. Our writing team lead is Elizabeth Bowen with support from Abigail Azardia, Elise Caldwell, Jake Wiley, Jordan Ortiz, and Sanessa Gisley. Our design team lead is Shruti Ramanand with support from Sohail Amatya, Tiffany Dang, Jonathan Wass, and Diana Marie Kandaza. To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.co. Thanks again for listening and see you next week. <laughs>